We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Andy Lou, a special guest today. Oh, got my, my little goosebumps going. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, we got one of the managers of the GS Dub Reddit account and general prognosticator on Warriors Reddit, Eric. I don't know, what, what is your formal title? What should we call you? Uh, so um, there's a few of us, like the, the title would be moderators. So like essentially community managers. Um, people familiar with Reddit's platform, it's like open source right. discussion forum for anything, mm-hmm. everything. So there's a, a small group of us that volunteer our time, um, that moderate, just keeping the discussion on track, trying to make sure that things are all warriors related, that like the conversation doesn't get away from us. Nice. And so for those of you who are on Twitter, he's one of the two people who runs the GS Stub Reddit uh, Twitter handle, one of the better sources for just kind of keeping up to date on news and anything related to the team. And for those who don't know, Eric um, has been known to be very active down in Santa Cruz. So he's kind of, um, he, he's there. He's seen more of Wiseman and Clay than Andy and I have recently. I'll put it that way. So let's start, let's start there. Um, Steph broke the record Tuesday. That was pretty awesome. It felt kind of cool to just finally get beyond that. And the next big thing that's going to happen this season, knock on wood, COVID not derailing this team for two weeks, um, is Clay's return. So I want to start here. What are you guys like most excited about here with Clay's return at this point? It's been a long time, man. A long, long time. I remember watching uh, when he got injured, how like devastating that was. And then to be so close to making a return, uh, I know you guys remember when the news came out that uh, he hurt his Achilles. Dude, Andy, like, and I, Andy and I were doing a live draft show on YouTube. If you go rewatch it, I look like I'm about to have like a mental breakdown because like we were getting texts about what happened to Clay, and I'm like, no, not the day, not the day. You're like, can we cover this in real time right now? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually, I, I was. I was putting on a brave face, but that was, uh, I was getting increasingly drunker uh, really fast. Um, Cause that was still like, 
very much in the middle of, of shelter in place. So we were, yeah. we were just not doing anything. I was drinking more than I ever had. So good times, good times. So yeah, it was devastating, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to watch this guy get back on the court. Uh, maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I, I think he's going to be who he was. I just, I just do. That's just what I believe. Isn't that, that's what, so you were down in Santa Cruz and you were telling me you're talking to some coaches. Now I don't want to blow your cover in any sort of capacity there, but it's consistent with everything Andy and I have heard. And it's pretty consistent with like the message the Warriors put out there publicly, whether it's like Anthony Slater talking or Kerr talking to the media, the um, everyone keeps saying he looks like clay. He looks like he, yes, you would never sure. think he'd have an injury. And I, to me, I mean, look watching KD look essentially the same, you know, like it's not unprecedented for a guy, but it's still just wild. The dude hasn't played in over 900 days. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Uh, so the Santa Cruz scene was interesting when we came in, the building is pretty like accessible to the public. It's not like behind gates, like chase center would be like, right. You literally are in downtown Santa Cruz. You can pull up to like metered parking 10 steps away from the front of the stadium and the front the front door has all glass doors that you can see through and you can see to the court, like just if you're walking by, but they had kind of set up like some PVC framed stuff with black curtains hanging in front of it. So people couldn't just gawk it at the practice. They were trying to kind of keep a lid on it. I'm not exactly sure what that's about or like why, if it would just become a spectacle if it was so open, but even with it, as it was set up, like you could probably see like the corner of the court and players were running full 5v5 scrimmages. So um, when the practice ended, there was no guarantee of like media availability with players. Right. And they specifically said like, hey, head coach, Seth Cooper will be taking questions. And they walked us in through a side door and they kind of had like a ramp up to a bleacher section, which was like kind of great, like gated off. And uh, players were still doing shoot around. And like Clay, like I think he hit like 10 or 15 threes in a row. like just stroking like his old self, like just looking good. Um, I could catch like from that corner of the court through the window as I was waiting for them to let us in, you could see that he was running. Um, but I didn't get like an in-person feel for full game speed. I didn't, I wasn't privy to like watching him torch guys on the court. I know Kevin Dana put out that clip of clay hitting that three point game right. winner, the second day of yeah. scrimmage. Um, but when I did sit down with with Seth Cooper, the coach there, I did ask him, I said, hey, you know, pretend for just a second that you don't know who Clay Thompson is. You don't know what he looks like. You don't know about the 37 point game or the titles. This is like a faceless guy that walked into the into the gym today to play, not knowing what he's capable of. How would you express what kind of a hooper this guy is? And he was just he said, um, you know, they were recreating 5v5s, full full game speed. He said, we had refs, we shot free throws, played four quarters. We coached the two different squads. He said, I somehow ended up coaching the team that didn't have Clay Thompson on it, unfortunately for me, is what he said. And he said, in a, I had to call a timeout at about the three point, or the, sorry, the three minute mark of the first quarter and pulled the guys together and said, hey, I don't know if you guys saw the scouting report, but this number 11, like, he doesn't fucking miss. Like he's hit four yeah. three pointers in a row. Like, yeah. um, and he just said his release is so fast. He he specifically mentioned, and you can see the video clip on we we did throw it up on Twitter that there was a like um, 
there was a play Axel Tupin has played a pro and overseas. He said the two of them were on the same team. And there was one play specifically where Clay kicked a, like a bullet pass out to Axel and immediately broke to the corner and the speed in which the pass got shot right back to Clay and he pulled up for three was just a game. It was like, it was an M- an NBA game speed. Like there's I, certain, there's certain guys you see where you just know that's an NBA hooper, like un- undeniably. And he's like, I, and that absolutely is there. He, like he looks. I really- think last year with him, with him coming back from his ACL, we did also hear like he looked like he was pre ACL too, um, which was around the time then he then he tore his Achilles. So you know who knows. But like that's the crazy part, right, about Clay Thompson. And part of me is is not too scared of him being scared of being injured. Like I think of Gordon Hayward, who right now looks fantastic. A couple of years removed from just snapping his leg in half. By yeah. the way, we got breaking news uh, from Anthony Slater. Uh, Clay Thompson is not going to be back December twentieth or twenty third. Uh, he's obviously not going to be coming back on Christmas during Phoenix. So the earliest he will come back is, and I think this is going to be the date, uh, December 28th at home against Philly. So 12 days away from the next date that Clay Thompson could that, come back. Against Denver. So, wow. Samuel, I am sorry. I thought, why <laughs> did I think it was Philly? Uh, uh, against Denver, uh, which is, you know, a decent landing spot. Denver's got their whole team injured. So yeah. um, I was hoping it would be Sacramento because that would be a decent landing spot. Um, but I think, you know, 12 more days, we got to wait right till Clay Thompson comes back, which I think the closer we got to the date, the more it became obvious, like, yeah, he's probably not going to be back in four days, guys. Yeah. Cause I think like, if that were the case, I think you would have heard a little bit more, just more rumblings that he comes back. But, um, just him bringing up conditioning, I think is, uh, as the big thing makes sense. Like you, you said, Eric, like he's been out for so long that the more time he has just scrimmaging is going to be better for him. Uh, rather than throwing him into the, the deep waters playing against NBA players. And I, and I yeah. think, um, and by the way, Slater saying the earliest he'll be back now is the 28th of December. So it could even be after that. I'm looking could at the be schedule. March. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> could uh, be. Let's, let's, let's not get crazy. So they play, um, <laughs> they play uh, back to, well, not back to back, but they play in Denver and in Utah on the 30th and 1st. We know his returns could be at home. So it's possible if he doesn't play on that 28th, game it could be the third against Miami could be the oh they hit a road trip right after that could be the ninth against the dare we say contending Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> oh, why you, um, I, I mean, was wondering why are you smiling right now <laughs> I, don't know, I was just I was, okay sorry I need to anyway by the way uh, they, they are contenders they are contenders by the way but anyway keep going by the way shout out Evan Mobley I was told bigs took longer but you know that's a different discussion um <laughs> yeah, right, yeah sorry that that was impromptu and unfair anyway the point is we're getting close but it's not going to be next week um uh, I think it's uh I think the other factor in this is they're 23 and 5 if they were uh if they were 13 and 15 if they looked like the Lakers um, there might be a little pressure to get clay out there, even if it's for 15 minutes a night, uh, because they need wins and 15 minutes of clay is better than zero minutes of clay. Right. But I think the fact that they've had such a hot start to the season kind of allows them to ramp it up. I thought clay was going to come back playing 15 minutes a game. They might want to get his conditioning to a point where maybe he could play 25 minutes. a game. You're right. Yeah. You're right. He's not going to come back, come back playing. Eight minutes a half. I just realized that, right? Mm-hmm. He's probably and and Clay has mentioned this. He's probably going to want want to come back and play closer to twenty five. Yeah, he'll want to play more than that. Six minutes a mm-hmm. quarter. I mean, that would be that would be phenomenal if he could get if he could do wow twenty four minutes a game off the bat because 
the ramp I think up that's from realistic. That, the yeah. ramp up from that to like 35, which is, you know, fully Oof. healthy pre-injury clay. Yep. It's not that it's maybe, maybe a month, maybe a couple months, something yeah. like that. I mean, so it's, I, it's, I had a phone call um, last week with Dr. Narav Pandya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Shout friend out of the show. Yeah. He's does some uh, coverage with 95.7, the game. So I gave him a call. He was really generous with his time. Um, as I told you guys before we started recording, I work in the hospital. I'm a nurse. So we, we kind of chopped it up with some, some medical questions. The thing that's really interesting about a return from injury like Clay is that at this point, structurally, he's back to normal. There is no weakness that we're waiting to strengthen up where the injury took place. The whole of it is making sure his conditioning is right because the speed and explosiveness with which NBA players play with, he needs to be at a point where all of the surrounding muscle structures are strong enough to support that load. Because the risk is that he will push himself to do these maneuvers in extended minutes that he's used to doing, and he will use the wrong muscle groups to achieve those goals and results, which will put stress on the area. Yeah. And, 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 and we've had, we've had him on the show and, and, and I mean, that's the reality of it. It's like, it's not his ability to do clay Thompson things. It's his ability to repetitively do them, Yeah, do them in an NBA game for over 20 minutes to do them two times in three days. Yeah, I I don't think, I think it's the Warriors have all but said, like, don't expect him to play in back-to-backs this year. And, and, and that's fine. They, they only have like, a half dozen remaining in the season or something. Yeah. The NBA has done a good job of getting rid of those. So it's like, it's not that big a deal. Um, and in the playoffs, there's none, but it's like, it, it's, it's just about getting clay. So he can, um, he can be clay on a consistent basis. Cause we know mm-hmm. he'll always be able to have the one-off game. Where yeah. He'll be able to do it. It's going to be really frustrating for clay and for fans that don't understand because there will not be a situation in which clay comes out of the game because he feels fatigued. That won't exist they will not allow him to get to that point. So any time in which Clay gets subbed out, he will feel like he has more in the tank and he will be right because they won't let him drain it out. So it's going to be hard because he's going to be looking like Clay and maybe there will be game situations where we need him and he's going to get pulled. And that's important um, for the longevity of his health and career. So I want to, yeah, I want to take this to the basketball side. So we, we can, we'd start here. So recently the Warriors have been struggling on offense a decent chunk of that is Steph's just missing shots that Steph makes. Like the weirdest thing about Steph is like, people are like, Oh, we played great defense on him. It's like, yeah, but he makes that shot against great defense. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's impossible to diagnose how much of it's the defense and how much of it's just Steph not having a good night. Uh, but with that said, so I thought this was an interesting number since that eight game homestand ended and they went on the road and their schedule got kind of more normal NBA, you know, a few games at home, a few games on the road, um, that sort of thing. They've been 12 and four, which is excellent. Uh, but their offense went from top in the league to ninth in the league over that span, which to me is probably more realistic for who they are without Clay Thompson, which is a good offense, but you know, not one that can't run into issues against the best defenses. Do you think Clay alone will solve the issues they're having on offense. Like the the issues we saw against Philly, like against Philly, they just couldn't score the issues we saw against Phoenix where, you know, they, they had those type of issues. I'm not talking about like against the Sacramento Kings. But by the way, Philly celebrating that they locked up or they didn't allow Steph to break the record on their home court. Relax. 
Like you guys are frauds every year. Go go like go beat the Hawks. <laughs> the fuck are we doing that's, here? That's Chris, um, I think it, that's Chris Paul and Daryl Morey like celebrating that they won yeah. the title on opening night. Yeah. <laughs> like relax. You're the Sixers. You couldn't beat Kevin Herter last season. Like shut up. Um, I will say I think it. I think Clay does solve the offense to in a at a realistic level, right? Like I know we've talked a lot about what they need in terms of they need someone that can play make and get to the hole. There's nobody out there for them to, to do that. In my opinion, unless they trade, make trades for guys that, you know, we talked about, that we're going to talk about on this, Paul Wiseman, Kaminga, et cetera, but they're not going to do that. So on a realistic level, I think Clay Thompson helps them to get to a point where they can contend because a lot of the things right now outside of just Steph not making open threes is JTA doesn't shoot, right? GP2 doesn't play enough, even though he can shoot kind of well. Draymond doesn't shoot. Kevon Looney, we know. Jordan Poole is so up and down <laughs> with open shots. So it's like at some point, you just need a guy who can make threes and, Clay Thompson is the the prototype three and D guy. Obviously, he's and, and someone three, who uh, and someone helps. who opposing teams are going to guard like he's a star. Like Wiggins, I think Wiggins' shot is real. I think he's put in a lot of work, and if it's a catch and shoot, he's a he's a great catch and shoot shooter. He's like he's as good as you can get outside of the uh, you know like the elite shooter category, like the staff, the Clays, the, even the you know Buddy Heels, guys like that who are like shooter shooters. Um, Defenses still aren't going to guard Wiggins' three-point shot like he's a superstar. They're going to guard Clay because they know he's he'll, he'll shoot twenty of them, and he'll make fourteen of them. Like he's if you don't guard him tight, he will absolutely try to go for for sixty. He's done it, you know. Whereas like Wiggins, can you could you see Wiggins making ten or twelve threes in a game? It's not a shot at him. There's only like five guys in the NBA who I think could even do that, right? Um, oh. and, and I think that's the difference. It's like Clay gets the defensive attention that superstars get. Um, he gets like proper second option on a contender attention because teams are terrified of his scoring ability. And Wiggins and Jordan Poole don't get that type of attention. They're like, they fit in perfectly as like third, third options playing off of two guys who you have who can do that. It's interesting though, because how much easier is it going to get for Andrew Wiggins when Clay comes back into the fold, and Jordan Poole as well? Like the spacing, like we've seen Wiggins, Wiggins will knock down open shots, like like a catch and shoot, a catch and shoot guy. Like Clay Thompson might make this guy a lot of money by improving him statistically. Like I'm, I'm kind of in the camp where I feel like Andrew Wiggins um, is worth more to the Warriors than to any other team, like because of the spacing that they are able to provide him. I think that like other teams that like, because there's a lot of talk about like, where does Wiggins go ultimately? Right. Right. Um, I think statistically <laughs> it's not to say his numbers will be inflated because he will actually achieve over a good sample size, the things that he does well in golden state. But um, I do not think that he would be able to replicate the same numbers he's going to put up while in golden state in other systems. I yeah. Do, I do. At least efficiently as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um Perks, who's the other one of our other moderators at uh, on Warriors Reddit, he put up some interesting tweets yesterday. You can see looking at like best play types by points per possession uh, through twenty eight right. games, like the Kavon Looney like cherry pick is like the the best statistically the best play that the Warriors have, like uh, Looney in transition, and he's gotten like really good at realizing when he is not being guarded and breaking to the basket. I mean, that's the smallest. Um, we can um like ramp that down too. Like he's not going to be that open all the time. Um, 
but it's interesting to see like Gary Payton cuts and Damian yeah. Lee cuts are like, that's kind of a problem when those are your three most efficient scoring 100%. Players. Yep. Yep. I, that's what I'm so excited for. It looks like we can now, I got to wait t- 12 days or so. So um, did we want to let's, let's get your thoughts on Wiseman before we get you out of here, um, yeah. Eric, because I think that's, you know, another, another big topic for Warriors fans that, you know, I, I don't know if he swings a championship or not, but you know, the, the kid he's, is 19, he's young and he's, you know, he's trying to get healthy. So he's an important, know, what, what are, yeah, he's an important yeah. piece for the team, whether it's uh, this year, next year in a trade, no matter what he's, he's important. We also yeah. haven't heard from him. Right. Sam, like yeah. in so long, we talk about Wiseman, mm-hmm. but we, we just, we don't know anything about him. All we know is that Clay is going to probably return before him. That's that's about it. That's so, but I, really, I don't. It doesn't a, seem like his return will be too far after Clay. Like if Clay comes yeah. back the twenty eighth, maybe we see Wiseman. You know, the middle of January type of thing. So either yeah. way, it's, yeah. it's also you know, it's it's coming. It's coming quickly. I think that uh, one of the big issues that we saw with James Wiseman last year was his spacing on the floor. That's where I felt like his struggles were the greatest. There was a lot of talk about like steps plus minus being negatively affected in minutes shared with James Wiseman on the floor. Um, and the eyeball test for me watching is I found what was the hardest was that he kept finding himself in the wrong place on the court. So I'm hopeful that a lot of this can be resolved even in minutes spent not playing basketball. Like obviously there's a visceral feel he's going to have to go through in order to just find himself in the right spots. But I'm hoping that there's opportunity for him to be studying this um, from the sideline, from the bench, seeing where Looney is, or maybe more importantly, where Looney is not when Steph is coming in. Um, I think some of that was exemplified by him sharing the floor with Kelly Oubre as well. Like those were two players that found themselves in the wrong place frequently. And that was, that was a big, a big challenge. Yeah. Uh, I think spacing, spacing is going to be huge. If he can figure that out, I think the league's going to have a problem with James Wiseman. I also think uh, the other thing is, is IQ. Um, He's not a playmaker. Um, He could be a, a very effective play finisher and putting him in lineups um, that don't involve Ubre Wiggins and Bazemore at the same time mm-hmm. uh, could help because I would consider none of those players, decision makers, you know, you have them out there with uh, Iguodala, um, Juan Toscano, uh, Draymond, obviously, uh, although I think they're going to put him in the second unit away from Draymond for now. Um, Otto Porter's a high IQ player. A lot of these guys, Jordan Poole, a lot of the stuff, it allows him to be the guy who finishes the plays instead of, I mean, they would work it into him like he was Bogut. And I don't know if he'll ever be that kind of guy. Like he hasn't displayed a passing feel at any level and that's fine. Not every, not every player is meant to be a playmaker, but like he, he, it's a, it's a terrible situation for him to be in. I think that who James Wiseman sees himself becoming ultimately and who the Warriors need him to be now to win a title may not be the same person. And who I, do you uh, think he sees himself I'd as? Lo- I love that. Yeah, I like and that. I think point. that that's a challenge. I think that's a big challenge. And there was, a, there was one play last year, I can't remember which game it was, specifically where um, Wiseman caught the ball off the baseline, maybe like 10 to 15 feet out from the hoop, and he went face up with his defender and like tried to put a dribble on him and like threw his legs a few times and turned the ball over. And it was just this moment where I just felt like this is who this dude thinks he is. Like yeah. it he thinks he is more Kevin Durant than <laughs> uh, than KG or like we need and, more KG and less KD. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, KG had a little off the and and I, I'm with you. I agree. I, I also go think bear. It, yeah. yeah. I, I also yeah, think definitely. nobody. 
nobody at that size though wants to be Rudy Gobert. You know what I mean? Like I kind of can't blame him. I kind of sure. put that at the feet of the coaching staff last season. And I think things have changed. Like, I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. Um, and I think Wiseman's going to be someone that's receptive to that. At least you'd hope so. Right. And maybe he becomes that player. Maybe he yeah. does. Maybe he does. But you know, I, I think part of what it is, it's like, man, when you're a kid and you're that big and you're used to dominating people like that, of mm-hmm. course, you're going to try to do that. If you have your way, you know what I mean? I can't imagine the stuff that I did would do if I were, uh, if I were as big as Wiseman in the league. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully he just gets healthy here. And, uh, Hey man, if, if he plays a Santa Cruz game, I know you're going to be there. So we're going to need you to lead the pod when that happens, Perfect. Eric. Um, <laughs> but man, I, I, we appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you, Eric. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks, Eric, from GSW Reddit for joining us. Um, Let's talk a little more Wiseman because I feel like his point was super interesting about like Wiseman sees himself as like KD and the Warriors don't. Um, Do you think think internally that the Warriors have differing opinions on him? Because we know, we know Joe, Joey Lightyears sees Giannis. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, I mean, oh, yeah. friend of the show, TK lets us know every time they're not trading him unless they're getting a superstar in return for him. And you know, Tim's, Tim's good at what he does. He's not saying that if he's not hearing it on repeat from Joe, you know, like, yeah. you, do you think yeah. he's making that up? Like, come on, you know, like, yeah, yeah you know. I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he cares either way. I think he's just relaying the information he's getting internally and he, he doesn't even hide it. He's like, we hear it all the time internally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure they don't agree on it, but I, I'd also hope that they don't agree on it. Right. Like I, I think part of what makes them successful in the past is that they didn't agree on the Kevin Love trade and they had to make a decision. And when the decision was made, they made the right one, right? So, you know, whatever it is with Wiseman, I'm sure Kirk thinks differently than Joe and Steve Kerr thinks differently. You know, I think about Steve Kerr, like maybe he loved Wiseman. It seems like he loved Wiseman before last season. And I think he still loves I think Wiseman. He definitely but I think Wiseman the, the person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe watching him, Steve Kerr, it's not like he dislikes him or anything like that. I think Steve Kerr probably thinks to himself like, hey, like, Maybe I should have done a better job putting him in the right situation. And Steve has said it. So you and I aren't making this shit up. We're not just coming on here and saying like, oh, Steve, Steve is now doing this because of that. It's like Steve has said like, hey, we need to put Wiseman yeah, in that situation. 90% of the reason last year's pods took a negative tone was because it was painfully obvious. They were just like 
they were sending him to the Wolves with no instruction in any capacity. And it's not Wiseman's fault. Unless you're LeBron James or Kevin Durant, you're not allowed to be sent to the Wolves doing whatever you want. Those guys can eat the Wolves. More mm-hmm. often than not, you're going to get eaten, right? And that's, that's Wiseman. Particularly it's for because rookies. he's yeah. Particularly for those guys, 19 years old, like we were never blaming them. And so look, now it's a matter of like, number one, get healthy. It sounds like, you know, Eric was saying, and you're saying like, it's maybe going to be January. Good. Just come back when you're ready to play. And, and they do kind of need his, his athleticism out there, right? They do. They do need that length and rebounding a little bit. At least they could use 10 minutes of that every game. Do you think, Steve, what do you think Steve thinks of him as a player? I think Steve has learned to temper the expectations. Steve at the beginning of last season probably thought, shit, maybe we have like a next type. The David Robinson comps. I was like, yeah, relax. (laughs) Right. I think now Steve is saying, sure, he can get the David Robinson. Absolutely. But right now let's get him to be JaVale McGee. And that's completely fair. Completely fair. Well, that's why the Aiden stuff comes up, right? Don't you think that's why the the Wiseman Aiden comparisons come up, even though they're like different style players. Like that's why it comes up. Aiton's not out here because Aiton's a superstar in a small role. Like he's maybe the best player in the NBA at that specific role. Uh, And he could do more things. He averaged more points before CP three got there and used to do a lot of creation, but they started winning when they simplified his role and just let him be kind of the guy who feasted on pick and rolls. Right. And, and feasted defensively. So it's like, I think, I think it's interesting because when you think about Steve Kerr players, what do you, what do you think of high IQ? Well, you know, yeah. I mean, it's guys that I like passing ability, aggressive. I think of Draymond green, honestly, like he likes guys who think the game are great passers and get physical with you and rebound. And what did Wiseman do last year? I mean, he's not a passer. He's his feel is very raw. And I don't think he was a particularly good rebounder either. I think he was kind of soft on the glass. Now that, that one, I think can change. I think that one's the easiest one to change. He just has to play more aggressive. Um, but the passing stuff, I don't think that's ever coming around for him in that capacity. And I think that'll be the passing shit comes, comes easy to a real hooper like this. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't resist. Sorry. Dude, in the middle of saying it, I'm like, God, I just walked into that. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting because I, I do think you're right. I think Steve envisions him being JaVale and if he, if he exceeds at that, then they'll start expanding it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's this Warriors fan expectation or just general kind of lament that he's not LaMelo Ball. And my thing is just like, look, man, it's, it's done, right? It's done. The team is 25 and four. And it's done. Like, you've got this guy, and he could be very, very, very good. Um, but I think the lament that he's not that person is, you know, it, it's painful, but I think at the end of the day, um, also a lot of people in the front office, you know, kind of had differing takes about that. We'll never know. We will never, ever, ever know. But, um, I just want him to come back. I am looking forward to the way that I think Steve Kerr's coaching staff is going to utilize Wiseman. I'm with you. Um, I don't think there's going to be any type of, uh, dribble, dribble, ISO stuff this season. Um, and he could be like a Kaminga too right because we talk about Kaminga all day like Kaminga's so athletic that he changes a game in one play like Wiseman could be like that person he can just change a game with one play um we'll just have to see yeah um it's going to be interesting I I still think it's going to take him a little time I'm I'm just so curious to see how they uh 
how they use him when he comes back. I mean, it, it seems to me that, I mean, Steve has all but said he's not starting. We want him to do stuff in a small hmm. defined role, which, I mean, let's be real. Look at other top picks. Uh, LaMelo's a superstar. Anthony Edwards looks like a star score in the making. If you want to go to this draft, Jalen Green looks awful. Kate is starting to come around. Evan Mobley, I, I kind of was being facetious there because I've never seen a young big man have the type of feel he has. Like, that's an unrealistic. Uh, he, yeah, he's special. He's yeah, special. That's, that's like uh, – um, you just don't see that very often. Like he plays like a complete veteran. Um, I don't know where James Wiseman fits into all that. He's physically more impressive than all of them. Like there's no way around that, but you know, he's, he's got to be able to give him something more than just 10 to 15 minutes, a game off the bench at by the end of the season. Right. You think so? You think I, I look Slater, it feels like Slater brings it up every pod, podcast about the general kind of, uh, musings or i guess like i guess there's a little bit of apprehension around that right because the team is so good that that's kind of the only thing i think that is worrisome is where james wiseman is and part of it is just he's not able to play basketball out there i guess it's the juxtaposition of how can a guy be untouchable when he also can't get more than 10 to 15 minutes a game you know but how can you trade him if he's not playing because then well, who would I, want that? Well, yes, there's zero reason to trade him until we see him for a extended period of time, period. You're like, you're more worried about the way that they view him is what you're saying in terms of untrade, untouchability. Yeah, it's, it's just confusing to me because, look, if he was – if the Warriors had Evan Mobley, he would play 25 minutes oh, a game. God. He would, he would oh, start God. over Looney. Like, I'm sorry, he would. Um, so don't tell me it's like young players can't play on this team. If they had LaMelo ball, he'd be playing 25 plus minutes a game and they'd still be winning. Like these are that those guys the are point, generational. But that's the point I'm getting at, which is yeah, you can't come out here and be like, view him as a once in a generation prospect. And then he can't that's get fair. on the floor at the level you need him to, because actual once in a generation prospects can get on the floor. Like would LaMelo get the freedom he gets in the golden state? Of course not. That's not happening. They're too good. He would be playing probably Jordan Poole's role, but he'd be doing it better. You know? Yeah. I I'm with you, but I also think part of that is like, man, if he was healthy for the beginning of the season, like sure. he may be the starter right now. You know what I mean? Like if he was healthy now in the beginning of last season, they go 15 and five without him in the starting lineup. And also without Kelly Oubre, let's like 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 GSW Reddit was saying, like it wasn't Wiseman, all Wiseman. It was Kelly Oubre too, and and those guys. So, you know, maybe maybe if he had started healthy through training camp in the offseason, like he would be starting right now in Looney's role. Like I could see that happening. But your point still stands. I think like I I agree that I don't think he's a generational player. But also like I'm willing to say like he's just not out there playing basketball, and that's just the toughest part with with this entire situation. And now they're kind of. St- they're not stuck. Well, I feel like we're coming at this kind of pessimistic when the team is this yeah. good. Um, but at the end of the day, this is really the only thing. Like, Wiseman coming and being good versus them not being good this season, I don't think decides the championship. I don't no, think – it, like, they, they can win this champ, this year and this championship without only, Wiseman ever touching the four. It only does if you think they don't have enough, in which case he is your avenue to adding more, be it internally improving or right. being a trade chip. Yeah. So where I think I think that they're good enough to win with him just sitting or not making an impact with this Clay. Like that's with, where I stand. You think just, if Clay is if Clay is healthy, they got enough. 
if Clay is healthy, they got enough, or they get someone off the buyout market and cut like Bielitsa or something, right? Or cut Gary or cut Damian Lee. Sure. Like I think that's enough to win a championship. Barring, I don't know, maybe Kyrie comes back and looks incredible, which you know at this point, like who knows? But like I think that they have yeah. enough, which is he says a lot about Steph and Draymond, right? And 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 Clay. So maybe I'm just a maybe I'm just a skeptic. I'm a warrior. I just feel like they need a little more. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll I get think into we've, it. we've, we've seen this team a lot. I think from, from thinking about it from your angle, I think you've seen, seen this team play with this core for a long time. And, uh, we've also seen KD play with this core and that's automatic championship. And I think my point is like, they get clay back. They have a chance of winning a championship. It's not automatic, but I think, right. I maybe, I'm think holding, maybe I'm holding them to too high a standard because I saw base, basically basketball Nirvana with KD. Like <laughs> what they did in like 16, 17 is like a level of contention that no one else gets to. So you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, we're going to get both clay and Wiseman back in the next month. It's going to be exciting. And like, yep. whether you got like a optimistic or pessimistic view, like we're going to learn a lot about this team when those two come back and that's going to be cool. All right. Appreciate you guys.